previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. It's kind of like one of those golf long drive competitions. Like oh, you that's have true. Guys okay. that focus on it, and they can hit a drive 450 but yards, they, but they can't putt. Right. Shit. So, right. Yeah. Like, you just described my golf game right there. And the worst ones are the ones like you're chipping like 10 feet off the green. I choke. It's short, or I hit it too hard, and it runs across the green and goes to the other side. It's, it's annoying. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to make this about me. And golf. <laughs> Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Excited. Yeah. Big day. This is a great day. We're just going to dive into it. I can't hold it back anymore. So, dear friend, please welcome to the podcast, Omar Lopez Sapero. Hey, Omar. How's it going? What's going on, buddies? <laughs> First time. Now, Rod, Joe, Simon, don't be jealous. Uh, it's I'm not even gonna say we save the best for last or anything like that because I don't want to rile these guys up at all. And well, uh, you know, I do hit bombs. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, as our listeners know, it always comes back to, to softball, softball with Chuck mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And yes, Omar plays with all of us. Yep. I mean, we've had Ritz come on the podcast. I think you've played some ball with him. I'm not yep, entirely yep. sure, but now we have you on for many different reasons. But take a quick second, introduce yourself to everyone out there. Tell them what you're doing, because this is kind of exciting, because a lot of our listeners are in the D.C. area. Yeah, so I just recently joined the Jesus Christ Superstar Tour in the role of Judas. And it's a, it's a dream role. It's a an amazing, amazing production. I think what's really interesting about this show is it's the 50th anniversary tour of the show. And this interpretation started in London and they had done it at the Regent's Park Open Air Theater, which is similar to New York's public theater in the summer that the Delacorte. And then it had great success there, moved to the West End. They did a production at the Chicago Lyric Opera a few years back. And then they launched this uh, major national tour that unfortunately was cut in half, basically, by COVID. But thank God that, that it has come back. And I was given the opportunity to step into the role for the last leg of the tour. And I'm loving it, man. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's definitely one of those crazy, iconic Andrew Lloyd Webber scores that covers very much of the high range of the male voice. But I get to play actually opposite one of my best friends of 12 years. He was a groomsman in my wedding and he's playing Jesus. So I think that's really been fun too, because it brings in that friendship dynamic that's really important in the Jesus and Judas story. Because obviously everyone knows that Judas is the one that betrays Jesus, but I think what people forget is that they were best friends. And I think that the story, this story is one of those stories that much like Wicked and stories that kind of look at the other side of the coin, we don't really see it from someone else's perspective. And that was the the goal by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice to kind of tell the story from the perspective of Judas. And obviously he in many ways is a villain, but I think it's accidental in some ways. He was trying to help his friend. So we've really wanted to dive into what that dynamic is and tell the story from a place of love and trying to help and making a mistake, which is a human error. People make human mistakes like that. Of course. Now, we'll get into everything. We're going to let you plug everything. But most importantly, you're at the Kennedy Center right now, correct? Yeah. And you're there for, what, this two is, more weeks? Yeah, two more weeks. I will say this, man. I This is the second time I've gotten to play Kennedy Center, and it is one of the most iconic yeah. venues. Oh, yeah. 
it's just so special. And, and to think of the people that have graced those halls and uh, stepped on those boards. And it's, uh, it's a really special place. The acoustics are incredible. It's the best sounding house that we've been in. It makes it super easy for us to sing in. And, and yeah, it's, it's, um, we're staying in Georgetown. So like walking along the river and seeing like the Kennedy Center right there on the water. It's just, it's really, truly magical. And it's the first kind of city since I joined where I feel like I, I'm settled and I can really enjoy the, the process a little bit. Yep. And it's, it's a great theater city. It's a great city in a period. And we're just really happy to be here. And the audiences have been really receptive too. Well, I fear that, and you're fitting right in here because I fear that you're bearing the lead, as we say. You, you failed to mention the cafeteria they have downstairs. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, what I are we know. doing out here, man? I mean, that, I know. the canteen, man. the canteen. It's... I thought maybe because of COVID it was shut down, but I was like, no, nope. I don't think so. Nope. It's open. Yeah. That's a hidden gem for sure. And yeah. that's the cool thing about that venue is it's not just the theater that we're playing, which is the opera house. There's also the Eisenhower. There's the concert hall. There's like a, a family theater. So many times multiple shows happening in the same right. evening. Yeah. And just to make sure we people know that you're just not some rum dum that scored this role. I mean, go ahead, brag <laughs> about yourself. I mean, you were on Broadway with On Your Feet. What else have you done lately? Yeah, I was in On Your Feet and I was in the original cast of that. Oh, and by the way, playing Emilio. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. That was, uh, I got to step into the role for a little bit in New York and then I did go out on the road and I just recently did a production of it with my wife playing Gloria at the Muni in St. Louis, which was, oh my God, one of the most amazing experiences because it was the first show that we did coming out of COVID. Yeah. And if you know anything about the Muni, it's this 11,000 seat outdoor theater. It's historic. It's lived for a hundred years. And they recently did a major renovation to the theater. And so they have this amazing pit lift that comes from the bottom of the stage. And my entrance for the show in this particular production was rising up on this lift. And, and, it's, and the show starts with the sun just starting to set so you can see the audience. And literally coming up and seeing 11,000 people after being in isolation and being shut down, it wow. was yeah. wild, it's man. It was wild. Wow. And, and just a dream to get to play that role opposite my wife in that situation at that theater. It was really special. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. It's a very special show to me, um, being of Latin descent, Puerto Rican and Cuban getting to represent the Latin culture and that American dream story and showing the passion and the family and the culture that represents us on stage was such a dream come true. Unfortunately, in a lot of theatrical and TV stories have always kind of been stereotypical and generally, unfortunately, Latin characters are often either the help or the criminal. Yeah something yep. like that. So getting an opportunity to really tell an American dream story of very successful, influential people was of great value to me and, and to all of us that were a part of it. And doing it with your wife. I mean, yeah. that must have been yeah. so, yeah. might have been nerve wracking. I don't know. You Roxy know, and I've never had to do that. So no. the first time that we went on together, it was kind of we kind of giggled a little bit because we were like, "This is so weird." Because there's also characteristics with the actual Gloria and Emilio that mirror Ariana and I. So it was funny. Like we just kind of like giggled about it, and then we finally like sunk into the characters. But yeah, it's a little surreal, and it's even in similarly mirroring. I mean, we're obviously not to the same extremes, but with my buddy Aaron Lavanet, who plays Jesus. We've been friends for 12 years. 
And there are certain characteristics that are built around the way that this show is interpreted that mirror kind of our own personalities to some degree. So we're able to kind of lean into those things. And that's kind of a blessing that you can kind of pull on things from your own life that can mirror into the acting and into the storytelling. Well, and we're now going to get into the podcast like we normally do. Well, we usually do our emails in the first segment, but we wanted to give them a chance to get to know you, Omar, a little bit. But, and we're going to give you a fastball right out of the gate. We heard from Dina Damascus, and she says, on one of your recent episodes, you mentioned that Jesus Christ Superstar is currently playing at the Kennedy Center. Was curious if Jesus Christ Superstar is something that a pretty strong Catholic would enjoy. Oh, that's that's a great question. And I'll say this. I'm just glad you're here to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well... I, you know, I grew up Catholic and my mother is extremely devout and uh, she's expressed her own concerns. We're actually going to Fort Myers, which is where my parents now reside. And they live in a very devout Catholic community and it's a retirement community. And they were, she wanted to share it with her friends there and like create a group to come. And she was like worried, is, is it blasphemous? And what I told her, I said, what you have to understand is that this is an artistic interpretation of someone else's voice. It is the passion play to some degree, but it's told through a different lens. And some could view it as blasphemous because it showcases some elements of humanity that may not be portrayed in the same way in the Bible. But I do believe that it's thought-provoking. And I think if you view it from a perspective of this is a theatrical interpretation and not gospel, then I think there's a lot to be entertained by it. I think the score is incredibly powerful. And Andrew Lloyd Webber is a master at creating mood and sentiment. And uh, he has sweeping melodies and he has driving rock anthems. And it was his first project that he did with Tim Rice. I mean, I think he wrote this when he was 23 years old. This is 50 years old. Yeah, because Joseph wasn't um, a full thing yet, I don't think. Right, Um, right. So this has lived for 50 years. And I think it's obviously the story is, is relevant because it's a biblical story. But their idea was to tell it from the perspective of Judas. So in many ways, Judas is the narrator of this. And the way that they kind of approach this is that Judas and Jesus were best friends. And Judas is seeing that things are getting a little bit out of hand. The crowds are getting bigger and their lives are going to be in danger because they could be creating inciting riots and he's gaining in his popularity. And the way that they kind of crafted this version of the show is to almost liken it to what it it would be like for a band that becomes superstars. And those maybe when they were like an indie rock band, they were more about the music and more about the message. And as they become bigger stars, things start to kind of go off the rails a little bit. And from this perspective, it's Judas trying to warn his friend And whether it's out of jealousy or frustration that his friend isn't listening to him, he thinks he's doing the right thing by turning him in. And in his mind, he thinks that Jesus is only going to get a little bit of a jail time or, you know, a a slight punishment and more of like scare him a little bit and to calm down. He doesn't think that it's going to result in his death, which is why when he finds out that that happens, he ends up killing himself. 
You know, Spoiler alert. Very, Wait, yeah. what are you doing, man? <laughs> very, well, I mean, it, 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 you know the Bible, you know. you know. It's been around for 50 knows. years. No. Well, the story <laughs> a lot longer. It's been for 2,000 years, so, yeah. you know. I'm just kidding. All right. But, uh, so, you know, I think if people can look at it who are devout Catholics or Christians from a different lens and not view it as gospel, but view it as something that's thought-provoking and perhaps allow it to frustrate you. I mean, if, if you don't agree with it, that's okay. But I think that there's still some value in the storytelling of it. Yeah. In full disclosure, before I even knew you were coming on, I kind of answered this emailer. And I just said, basically, it, it depends on the production specifically, because yeah. I mean, as we know, I mean, Joseph is another one, but Superstar, I feel like almost every time you see it, it's different. And it depends yeah. on the interpretation of the director and the producer and all that stuff. This started as a concept album, the Brown album. It was raw. It was fresh and new, especially at that time. And that's where they wanted this to really start and to continue. Because over the years, the story becomes theatricalized even more. And it really went towards more of that musical theater interpretation. And they really wanted to go back to that musical origin of the Brown album. Yeah. And then they wanted to combine that with almost the feeling of a dance concert. So the choreography in this production is extraordinary. And the design and the lighting effects, it's extraordinary. It's really a visual, visceral experience. But the genesis of it was really staying true to the sonic experience of the Brown album. And the way that they wanted to do that is for us who are interpreting these roles, they wanted to create that mirror of what it would be like if we were a band. And so that kind of has, we've used handhelds in the show. And so it's supposed to somewhat mirror what it would be like if Jesus was the front man of a band and I was his right hand guy and helped write the songs. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the piano. Mary's also in the band and we're having like inner band turmoil and the band is becoming huge. And Judas is not happy that we're basically in his eyes selling out, whereas Jesus sees a totally different path. And so that's where kind of inner turmoil happens and so that's how they wanted to kind of get back to that Brown album rock concert type of experience. Right. Well, the insight's amazing. You're going to be able to stick around for a little bit, right? Uh, I'll maybe make right. time. Well, because we have to get to our Meet the Littles guest here. Right. But you did Let's say go. you do us a little favor. Now, I sent okay. you a little something. Can you uh, uh, read that for us? Yes, yes. Portrait. A child draws the outline of a body. She draws what she can but it is white all through. She cannot fill in what she knows is there. Within the unsupported line, she knows that life is missing. She has cut one background from another. Like a child, she turns to her mother and you draw the heart against the emptiness she has created. Littles. Bravo. How about that? <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get better than that. And, and we heard from Brian Becker and he said... The $3.49 I spent on eBay for that Gluck book was one of the better purchases I've made, and it was bought by a little for Littles, and I hope it gets shared with other Littles via broadcast readings or physical possession for years to come. So we're not going to get better than that, Littles. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Roxy, that put us to shame. So thank you, Omar, for that. We have to get out of here, Roxy, yep. because it is now time to meet the Littles. Hi, this is Bob Sproul from Pittsburgh, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. <laughs>
your best bet in podcast entertainment. played in this episode by michael crawford and this song is called on the fence and it's off his newest album also entitled on the fence and it's sung by chase evans and michael writes i was inspired to write this song because i and many have seen in present or past relationships indecision in keeping the relationship going seeing what's good in front of you now if you like what you hear you can find all his stuff on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, YouTube, and all other music sites, including SoundCloud. So head on over to those and search Michael Crawford, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D, or Chase Evans, C-H-A-S-E-V-A-N-S, and we'll make sure we put all of that information in the show notes. And as always, we'll play the full song, On the Fence, at the end of the podcast. I just can't can't get off off the fence All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. Roxy, ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Yep. Please welcome to the podcast Charlie Pierce. Hey Charlie, how's it going? It's going fantastic, guys. All right. Finally got you on. Now, I don't even remember. Do you remember how we stumbled across you? I imagine Twitter. Somebody reached out on Twitter and I sent a stupid meme back. Or, oh, the stupid is meme. It a, okay. Is it a GIF or a GIF? Do, I don't know. <laughs> you know. That's a very good question. I should know because I'm a millennial, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I say GIF. I say GIF. I don't know. Well, but I, I, I've heard maybe it's GIF. But GIF is GIF peanut, is butter, peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually sent a, a GIF back. Oh, That's okay. What that All right. <laughs> Do you really call it GIF or are you just saying that? I like GIF better just because the hard G sounds rough to me, but I I do understand that GIF is also peanut butter. (laughs) All right, Littles, what say you? GIF sounds a little crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. See, he has been listening. I love it. All right, Charlie, we know you've heard a couple episodes, so you know we just turn it over to you. Take a second, introduce yourself to all the loyal Littles out there. Well, I am an attorney in Northwest Arkansas, and I work for a law firm called the Bailey and Oliver Law Firm, and I'm a general practitioner. I don't specialize in anything. I always get that question, what do you specialize in? I am in my 50s now, so all of my uh, failing all the health tests that I used to pass with flying colors because (laughs) something happens when you turn 50, but uh, I've been a, a loyal little since... Probably when the went nationwide on ESPN for the ESPN radio for the first time. That's when I started listening and I've been listening ever since. Back then, I want to say that was in the mid 90s because I could listen on the radio and in between you know, during the advertisements, you could listen in on their conversation. Yeah. Right. And if you remember on some of those, he, he got in trouble for that a little bit. <laughs> well, I wasn't a listener then, but since we've actually started this podcast, I believe it was Bill LaHecka was the first one that sent us some clips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. 
And then, of course, since now we're in our 120s here, I've heard that same thing from other people. Yeah. yeah. And that's How one of the cool. things that they loved about it. Right. Just that Back raw then. reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. It was through the website. It was the WTEM website or the whatever radio station he was on. You could log in and listen, and it just went straight through the commercials and mm. it's still live. Yeah. I often wonder, like, if we kept it rolling after we're done interviewing a guest or because we do some talking off air ourselves. We do. Yeah. Like when we take a break, we usually take a quick break. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we F-bomb and stuff, but. Oh, gosh. But, no. um, that Charlie, what a horrible guest. <laughs> you know, what would you say afterwards? <laughs> so are you originally from Arkansas? Where did you grow up and all that stuff? So I am originally from Arkansas. I was born in a town called Camden, Arkansas, in South Arkansas, and grew up in a little town called Magnolia. I don't got a little bit of a Southern accent, but it's because I grew up in a little town called Magnolia, Arkansas, that is way down in the southwest corner of Arkansas, about 30 minutes from Louisiana and about an hour from Texas. Ah. So I went to high school there, and then it's the kind of town, it's a, it's a beautiful little town, and I, I reminisce about it and love it. But when I was in high school, I couldn't wait to graduate and get out. Mm. Right. So, okay, so now take us into your school. Did you always want to be an attorney? Like, where did you go to college? So, yeah, I went to college at Southern Arkansas University, and I actually got a journalism degree. Uh, This was, uh, I graduated in 92. So, from Southern Arkansas University, I I literally, I graduated on a Friday night. We moved up on a Saturday, and then I started work on a Monday, and I was actually a a video producer here in Northwest Arkansas, and I've been here ever since. So, I moved up in, in 92. But as everyone knows... I guess that was about the time that newspapers and just journalism started transitioning to online. And and I never could catch a real gig. I I had a wife and a child and moving was limited and I needed better income. So I I had to do other things. I actually thought about being a a journalism professor at one point, went back to school and I graduated from the University of Arkansas in 2000 with a master's degree in journalism with the idea of heading up to Columbia, Missouri to get a PhD in journalism, but uh, life happened and I got a divorce. And then I just was so frustrated with the income level of, you know, anything in in video or newspaper at the time I was working full time. I was working part time. I was refereeing basketball games. I was doing everything I could to make ends meet and just knew that I needed other, another direction in my life. And I was uh, actually in a court hearing in my family law matter. And I thought, man, I I could do as good a job as, as these two attorneys. (laughs) (laughs) It probably wasn't true, but I decided to go to law school. And so the University of Arkansas has a law school and I took the test. And uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm admitted and scared to death about my midlife change, career change. So how long have you been an attorney then? I have been an attorney since 2008. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, so late in your life, that must have been scary. It was. And the funny thing is, you know, I graduated in 2008 and the bottom had dropped out of the economy. And my first year as an attorney, I made less than I made the year before I went to law school. So I was like, holy cow. Right. I don't, I don't know that this worked out. And I've got debt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. It's well, a big especially. Risk. Yeah. But uh, luckily, I have been able to stick at it and, um, and it's gone great. Okay. So now let's get to the portion. I love when we have you people on the podcast (laughs) and i'm talking mainly missouri arkansas like wyoming Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think iowa may okay because there's obviously no clear there's no professional sports teams in your state that i am i correct saying that arkansas that's true yeah so i always love hearing your stories about especially you because you grew up there so it's not like you moved around because the people that settle in these places it's different so where does your sports 
fandom lie? Now, I'm guessing, well, answer that question first. So, of course, I, I grew up in the 70s, and the Dallas Cowboys, especially mm-hmm. in South Arkansas, were huge. It was America's team, and yep. they were close, and Tom Landry and, and all of that. And uh, and I actually, in a minute, let me tell you a story about my family's connection to Paul Bear Bryant. But okay, at, at the time, <laughs> I did not want anything to do with the same team that my family liked, so I became a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers because my everybody in my family was a Cowboys fan. Ah. Um, and so it kind of started there. And then back to the journalism, I'm looking at an Arkansas Democrat Gazette picture and I see a picture of probably, I want to say it was Sidney Moncrief. I'm not exactly sure who it was, but he went to the University of Arkansas and it said Arkansas across his chest. And I can remember as a kid going, we have a team. We have a team. <laughs> <laughs> and so I became a, an Arkansas Razorback fan. And sure. Lou Holtz, as a matter of fact, came to my little town. He would tour the state and make speeches, part of recruiting, but also fundraising Mm -hmm. for the athletic program. And um, I remember buying a $5 ticket, which was a big deal in 1977, 78, 79 for me, and riding my bike to go listen to uh, Lou Holtz speak. And he was fantastic and it was great. So that's kind of where my fandom came from. Sure. Gotcha. It's so funny. We're very similar because I grew up in New York being a Red Sox fan and it's mainly because most of my family were Yankee fans. (laughs) Yeah. And I too, in those Tom Landry days and it was when they fired him that I was like not I'm done I'm no longer a Cowboys fan and I don't know why I was I was still a kid practically then Mm -hmm. but there was just something about that news that hit me the wrong way and that's when I first started realizing oh there's other teams out there but it was everyone in school we went to school in upstate New York everyone was a Cowboys fan yeah so I just jumped on the Cowboys fan it's so weird for a while yeah but that's true. They were definitely America's team. Wow. So Jerry Jones, of course, a graduate of the University of Arkansas, was the instrumental in firing Tom Landry back in the day. Really? I, I, I believe that to be true. Because didn't Jerry Jones come on as the coach after that? Yeah, I believe so. Well, and Jerry Jones and well, I'm getting my guys mixed up, but they were teammates at the University of Arkansas. Oh, okay. So that's part of how that happened. But my mother loved Tom Landry. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, Roger Staubach, you know, being the opposite of Joe Namath. So my mom, the conservative, she loved them greatly. Yeah, Danny White was there when I was there. Oh, yeah, Danny White, Randy White, yeah. Preston Pearson. Yep. Good Tall times. Jones. Tall Jones. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right? How, how, how am I making you feel on your age-wise there? <laughs> <laughs> Those are good, good times. Yeah, they're uh, good teams, too. Yeah, absolutely. So now, would you say you're more of a college sports fan, though, than pro? Well, yes, I would say that. Okay. Uh, but most of that is I do have season tickets to the Razorback basketball games. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and so that's my guilty pleasure, so to speak. I go to the football games regularly, but only one or two a year, whereas gotcha. basketball games, I'm there quite a bit. Right. And you didn't mention baseball, basketball, hockey, nothing like that. So are you mainly just a well, football fan? Well, also a baseball fan in school. I bought, you know, remember the scholastic book parades that would come around? Yeah. Yeah. So I bought a uh, baseball book and it was called Home Run Kings. And on one side, it was the story of Babe Ruth. And when you turned it over to the other side, it was the story of the Atlanta Braves and or no, the story of Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, right. And so I read the story of Hank Aaron and just fell in love with, you know, he was the champ. And then we got cable TV. 
and the Braves were on Turner, yeah. TBS Atlanta, and uh, I became a, a big fan of the Braves. And then, of course, they went on to win so many years in a row, and and so that was a lot of fun too. But they only got one series out of that, right? Only one series That's out of that. Amazing to me, yeah. Well, at least they got the one that because I mean, a couple episodes we referenced the Buffalo Bills and their four straight and never winning one. So at least Braves, and then of course this. Last year, so that's good. They're back again, so that was good. I felt like the Bills many, many times during that run. Sure, <laughs> yeah. But I still say that there's got to be credit where credit's deserved for that, just to make it there that many times in Absolutely. a row, especially, yeah, yeah. especially in Absolutely. football. As Tony always says, the playoffs are one and done. It's not this yeah. four out of seven that's or not even an three easy out of five. To do. Yeah, it's not an easy thing so. to do. All right, and now you said you had a story, right? Yes. About Paul Bear Bryant. All right. Well. If you want to hear that story, Littles, you're going to have to come back because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Meet the Littles. Hi, Littles. This is Sandra Rohde, and you are listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And we are lucky enough to be sitting here with Charlie Pierce. Now, how is that, Roxy, for a tease? I don't think we've done that in a long time. No, I mean, that was good. To me, this is the ultimate tease. I know Ritz is going to be really jealous when yeah. he hears this because I know he's going to want to hear this story. So take it away, sir. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Paul Bear Bryant is from a little town called Fordyce, Arkansas. And one of the uh, funny things about Fordyce, Arkansas, just like the SAU Mule Riders, they are the uh, the Fordyce Red Bugs. What? And, yeah. <laughs> And, you, and there's another one here in Arkansas. We have several of those. We've got the University of Arkansas Monticello. They are the boll weevils. So and a boll weevil is a bug that gets into cotton bowls. So yeah. it's very, very interesting. But I anyway. I love so that we, you insinuate that we have no idea what that is. And you, <laughs> you'd be correct, of course. No, I've heard of that. I've never even heard of that. I was like, what the, the hell is that? Weevil. And then you just took it away. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, I know where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I had a, uh, a great grandfather and he was a 4-H representative and he would go around to different schools and would try to help people sign up for, he would advocate for uh, the 4-H program. And okay. one of the things that the 4-H program does is um, it puts on animal shows at county fairs. You know how people... Mm. Yeah, of course. ...calf and the sheep and their goats and all of these things, and they show them at the county fair. So he came across a uh, a young man in Fordyce who could not afford an animal. And so uh, my great-grandfather gave this uh, young man a pig so that he could raise a pig and show it at the fair. And that young man was Paul Bear Bryant. Wow. So that's our connection to Paul Bear Bryant. And it's funny because all of my family, of course, it doesn't matter where you live, but across the South, of course, you're going to watch the Alabama-Auburn game. And I also mm-hmm. grew up doing that in the 70s. But I remember sitting at my Aunt Holland's house watching the football game on a 19-inch color TV and her telling me that story and how proud she was that we were somehow associated with Paul Bear Bryant because he was such a winner. Wow. That's wow. amazing. Now, are we bearing the lead here? I'm, I've got to ask, how did the pig do? I have no idea. Oh, but I'm, oh, sure no. It, I'm sure it grew up. How nice did it and taste? No, I'm just and, the, <laughs> and the bacon, oh. the bacon was fantastic. Right? That's what I'm talking about. Right. Well, I was genuinely, I mean, how cool would that have been if it won like first prize yeah. you know, for best, I don't know, presentation? Because like at our county fair where I grew up in upstate New York, they actually now do the pig races, which mm-hmm. is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a nice. lot of fun to watch. I mean, I have been to a county fair. Well, it was actually a, a rodeo, I think. And Ooh. 
it was the uh, age eight and under. We're trying to catch a pig that had been greased up. Oh, right. It's, oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It's impossible, greased, right? Greased pig catch. I would think. Impossible. Didn't I they mean, do that on Survivor? Oh, wait, you're right. There was yeah, something like that. They yeah, had to it, They were just mud. It was in mud. Yeah, yeah. But so that's it was still like slop. So it was tricky. So it wasn't grease. But it, yeah, oh my gosh, it was still <laughs> nearly impossible. But they did it. You're right. That's now so that fun. I think there's, about it. There's another Paul Bear Bryant story out there, which is, is relevant because supposedly Paul Bear Bryant was hired by the University of Arkansas to be the football coach. And he was actually driving to the University of Arkansas either to sign his contract or to last interview or something to that effect. And that was December 7th, 1941. Wow. And so obviously Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor right. and Paul Bear Bryant turned around, went back to Kentucky, I believe, and, and uh, decided not to come here and then ended up at Alabama. Whoa. Wow. A little Arkansas trivia for you there. Littles? Wow. Information, <laughs> Information for, for life. life. <laughs> there you go. That is a good, that's, that's a really great, great trivia, mm -hmm. especially about the pig. But, sorry, um, no. sorry to interrupt the grease pig story. Though. Oh, no, no, that's <laughs> no, great. That, no, that's, that's we, yeah. we live for those information for life stories. Have you ever made it to a jingle fest or chatter or uh, um, summer of littles or anything? Any of any little events? Yes. So I did make the pilgrimage to Chatter and got to attend a podcast taping there. I can't remember when it closed and it was pre-COVID for sure. Yeah, right. But it, I had a brother who was stationed at Fort Meade, which is, I guess, in Maryland up there. And so I decided to go up and visit. And my two brothers and I went to Chatter and attended a taping. And Steve Sands was there that day. And it oh, was... Nice. And in D.C., the uh, cherry trees were blossomed. So we got to <gasps> That's oh, my wow. favorite so, yeah, time of year. That's it like was a perfect gorgeous. trip then. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I love that. Wow. And how was the taping? Was it everything you hoped it would be? Oh, yeah. It was everything I hoped for. Yeah. I think I had the pancakes and bacon. That's, that's what I, that's, I can't remember exactly what I think I got a stack of pancakes. Nice. All right. Nice. Yeah. We never made it, unfortunately. Yeah. It closed before we, man, that's not. I got a t-shirt and it was way too small. <laughs> <laughs> but you got one. We're lucky now. I got one. I, Rob Berg was gracious and sent me one. And then we met up with Mo Warner. Mo Werner in the city here. Mm -hmm. Well, after the podcast had been established and he brought a chatter t-shirt for Roxy. Yeah. So now she has one as well. Yep. <laughs> so that was really sweet. Well, Charlie, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on and meet the Littles. Now, I know you're a newcomer to the podcast, but we'd have these fun, dumb questions. We hope you're okay with that. Totally. All right. Now, hold on a second, Chuck. Ch what, Roxy? It's time but, for fun, dumb questions. What? No, I think we're missing a very important story here. Oh, okay. I would love to know, and I think the Littles would want to know. You mentioned earlier that you were involved in plays and maybe musicals. Oh, right. So can you tell us about your performance experience? tried to experience? bury that at the top of the interview. I completely forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Good for you, Roxy. Yeah. Hello. That's why I'm here. All right. <laughs> what do we got? So uh, South Pacific. Ooh. Okay. I was I was uh, Stewpot. Of course you. I was just gonna say. <laughs> yeah, it was it was phenomenal. <laughs> I know that well. All right. So how did you get into all this? And do you still do stuff like that, community theater or anything like that? You know, I've thought about it. I think I probably will do it after uh, you know maybe a, a few more years of when I'm partially retired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I guess I feel like at this point it would take a, you got to practice a lot to, to uh, do those things well. And yeah. Um, Absolutely. But how did so, you how did you start? How did you get involved? Well, I had a good friend in high school whose father was a professor of drama at Southern Arkansas University. And I was also in church choir, so I can carry a tune, not great or anything special, but I could sing. And so 
I was, and it was just always fun. I mean, and cute girls at the uh, trying out for the plays. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't I try to score that? Now, so. now wait a minute. Now, don't don't be giving Chuck secrets away. I mean, hello. <laughs> That's the main reason you do it. And also because then there's three guys that try out. So you're going to get a good part, yeah. probably. I mean, I'm still convinced to this day. That's how I got Danny Zuko mm-hmm. in Greece way back when. I can act, but I can't act like I'm playing a guitar and be a rock star. So I just went into the acting side. Gotcha. gotcha. But, so South Pacific, what else? I mean, what what's your favorite musical then? Well, Oklahoma, of course. Now, who did Tony, was that, was that Oklahoma? The lady was singing out the window on the golf course? I think so. I, I remember what you're talking about, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, what a beautiful morning, probably, I guess. I think it was, oh, what a beautiful morning. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Right. So, uh, yeah, my mom used to take us to those when we were little, and we would go, and I just I, I just always fell in love with it. South Pacific, best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There were quite a few. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones. How I haven't that? seen Hamilton yet. I think it's coming to Fayetteville. I mean, I know it's not the same as seeing it live, but I think Disney Plus yeah, still Disney, has I mean, it. Yeah, you can see it on Disney if you wanted to. Um, but I've been saying for years how Best Little Whorehouse in Texas hasn't had a revival yet here in the state. I don't know. It's driving me crazy. I'd love mm-hmm. that one. I was mad when Hugh Jackman decided to do Music Man because I wanted him to do Will Rogers Follies instead. Yeah. Yeah, Music Man is another great one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yep. fantastic. Yeah. And I think Keith Carradine, who played the original Will way back when, he should play Clem, his dad. Uh, would be yeah. great. I have the whole thing cast. So producers, <laughs> anyone with money, who wants to do Will Rogers Follies? You want to do Will Rogers Follies? I got you covered. Now I don't know if we could get Hugh now because of Music, Music Man, Man, but you know once that's done, yeah. he's got to have need something He'll else have to some do. Time. So yeah. anyway, all right. Well, let's get to some of these fun dumb questions now. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go halfway. Okay. Is there a special hidden talent you have that no one else knows about? Um, wow. I can roll my belly like a belly dancer. How oh. about that? Oh, that's a talent. Easy yeah, killer. That's... We might need some uh, TikTok video for the podcast <laughs> here later. I've got one more. I'm very tall. I'm six foot six inches tall and oh. my, my arms are even longer. And on a normal door in a house, I can touch the top of the door and the floor at the same time. Now, I can't do that while I'm rolling my belly, but <laughs> I value both of them equally. Yeah. Wow. All right. All right. Who would play you in a movie of your life? Uh, I would go Jim Carrey. Nice. Nice. Solid now, answer. Now, serious Jim Carrey or like? No, not pet detective. serious Jim Carrey. Pet, pet well, detective. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Pet detective? Ace which, Ventura? Which one was the one where he had to tell the truth all the time? He couldn't liar, tell liar, it. right? Liar, liar. Yeah, yeah. liar, liar, Jim Carrey. Yeah, that would, that would be That's that. a good one too. Yeah. All right. If you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you be? Foghorn Leghorn. Ooh. Oh, he was always my favorite. That part of Looney Tunes <laughs> was always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Him and the dog mm-hmm. going back yes. and forth. Mm-hmm. Yes. I say, I say. Well, there's also this great meme about that little chicken comes in because he's always going after that hen. And, oh, yeah. And it says, uh, I never trust a, a boy that doesn't play baseball or something like that. I just always <laughs> love that one. All right, Roxy, what do we got? Would you rather spend five days exploring Disney or New York City? Ooh. New York City. Nice. Glad that you said New York City because we live here, so we could we could meet up. We could. Yeah, we'll take you know. it to Hurley's. There you go. <laughs> could, I don't know how Hurley's became our thing. How did we? We're stupid. We should have started the Palm. The Palm, right? Because there's a Palm. Oh, like, no doubt. Yeah, well, that's that. I was going to ask. Have you all ever been to Carbone? Okay. No, because we go to Emolino. Emolinos is that's oh. it. That's the list. <laughs> that's it. And we, we mentioned that on one of our recent episodes. Yeah. We brought that to everyone's attention. Yep. Like, and we were just thrilled that it was number two on her list. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, yeah, that's the one you got. That's the one. But 
as I also said in a recent podcast, she didn't mention the right location, though. The original location, which is on West 3rd Street in the village. That's mm-hmm. the one we go to. That's yeah. the only one we go to. Yep. And it's so great. It's fantastic. We love it. So, I don't know. Carbone? I... We should try it, though. Maybe. We should try it. Yeah. Yeah, and he never called Chuck and Roxy to try to get in. Hello. He calls oh, really? He calls Reali. He calls uh, Pablo. Pablo. How about calling um, Chuck and Roxy? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Tony. What's what's going on here? So, <laughs> All right, we got time for one more. So how about if you could live in any TV home, which one would it be? And we've narrowed this down. It can be movies as well. And you have the choice of living with the cast or without the cast. Um, The first one that comes to mind is the Magnum P.I. garage. It's like a little apartment in the big complex that Higgins owned. I think that would be my choice because it's in Hawaii. Okay, that's yep. that, that's, yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah. I didn't think about, you know, we didn't think about that. Like I we're just concentrating in... on the house. We didn't think about where the house is. I hate camping, but I would live in a tent if it means that I'm living in Hawaii. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think it would be worth it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's that. I, I, I don't mean, know if maybe, I'd go that far. Maybe okay. not forever, but at least to right. start out. But no, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. That, you know, most the of the location places, is I mean, most important. of them are in Chicago, New York City, mm-hmm. so they're okay places. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Hawaii. Like, that would be something. Who doesn't want to live in a mansion in New York? But Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Now, do you want Higgins there or no? Um, I wouldn't mind Higgins. Okay. He had cool dogs. Remember those? Were they Dobermans? I think their names were Zeus and Apollo. Honestly, it's been so long. My dad used to watch that. Uh, and I, it's, it's been a while. So again, showing my age. Yeah. Well, that's all right. <laughs> no. that's all right. well we're going to save you and get you out of here. So Charlie, we can thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Now, is there anything we can plug for you? How can people get in touch with you? You're on Twitter and all that, right? I'm on Twitter at too tall Charlie. Otherwise you can just Google me. I got a profile out there somewhere. Charlie, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Uranus jokes. Not funny or never not funny. Never not funny. All right. Love it. I haven't asked that one in a long time. Yeah, you said it correctly. I was a little nervous. Because full disclosure, uh, (laughs) Charlie. We started. Well, Chuck started. Yeah. By asking, and I was saying it wrong, apparently, yeah. for like months before a little felt confident enough to like not piss me off to write in and say, you're dope. You're messing it up. You're messing it up. <laughs> what, do, what do you think? So so we changed it in the sheet. And now I just, and more importantly, I just let Roxy ask it now because yep. this way I won't mess it up. So There you go. Oh, Charlie, thanks again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate the time. All right. See you guys. All right. All you loyal listeners, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Grant Garraway, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and thank you, Charlie, for coming on to meet the Littles. Always uh, a great time. Omar, you might have some competition out there. You know, he did play Stew Pot uh, <laughs> and a couple other roles out there. But listen, real quick, we, we should have done this at the top of the show, but we did want to remind everyone, Jingle Fest... This Saturday, Jingle Fest. It's called Jingle Trek, apparently. Because you're trekking to Nashville. I guess. That, that's why. <laughs> and just want to remind everyone, this Saturday, 7 p.m., it's at the Nashville Music Loft. That is 219 2nd Avenue North. If you need or want any information, uh, a lot of information is up on littlesongs.net. Just head on over there. I think most of the information, I think you, there's even links where you can buy tickets, stuff like that. So if you're in the Nashville area, don't forget to head on out to Jingle Trek, as they're calling it, this Saturday, March 5th. All right, now back to the uh, important matters at hand here. As we referenced a couple, well, it's almost been a, over a week now, Roxy, but yeah. you know, we had our guests over the weekend Uh and Claire was here with us and we thought this might be a little fun because we have a newbie here 
Now he knows nothing about. Well, he, you've heard some of our episodes, Omar. I know that. But yeah, yeah. Um, Claire put together. We do these fun, dumb questions at the end of our all of our Meet the Littles guest interviews. Mm-hmm. And, but actually, not all of them. Well, not all of them because we have so many. Plus, when we first started this podcast over a year ago, I can't believe it's been that long. We didn't have some of these questions, right? So Claire thought it would be fun to go back in time. And some of the guests we originally interviewed to find out what their answers would be. And she wants us to play a little game with it. And this we'll have some fun with this. But, Roxy, you're going to read the question. Omar, we're going to get your answer first. Okay. So go ahead. Uh-oh. All, All right. right. If you could host Saturday Night Live, whom would you like to introduce as your musical guest? Ooh. Now we're assuming, like, you get to hang out with them afterwards, stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh. There's a lot of ways I could go here. Someone that I've never seen live in person, but if I ever need like a mood boost or just a chill vibe, Billy Joel, I think, is like somebody that I've always, um, I think he'd probably be a cool dude to just sit and chill with. Oh, yeah. I also think it'd be cool to hang out with Dave Matthews. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. That's another popular answer. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So now where are we going with this, Roxy? What do we do here? So what we do, she asked three of the littles, got their answers, and now we have to match the answer to which little said it. Oh. Makes sense. Okay. okay. So for this question, the three answers were Neil Diamond, Jason Fuse, and Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. <laughs> and now we have to match these littles. Wait, to can those. I do this blindsided? <laughs> blindsided? You or mean blindfolded? Blind, blind, well, I'm not blind. <laughs> blind, yeah, that's it. We, Omar, we call that a Chuckism yeah. on the Loyal Littles yeah, podcast. Yeah, there you go. All right. We're two peas in a pod, dude. I, I, I do the same thing. Well, I heard. Muppet, so I thought of Eric immediately. Okay. Is he on the list? He is on the list. Oh, well, this so, could be a trick question, though. Okay, so Eric Londrigan. Eric Londrigan. Wait, what, were the, what were the other two bands? Neil uh, Diamond? Neil and Diamond, Jason, Jason Fuse. Oh, Jason Fuse. Uh, we've got Robert. Could be Robert Berg. Oh. Robert Berg. Okay. Eric Londrigan and Rob Colpeen. And I've got a nice little nifty envelope. Yeah, she's got an answer envelope here. An- this is kind of neat. Open. Cool Aunt Claire, you went above and above beyond. Above and beyond with, this. with Charlie so Brown stickers and, I, and everything. Charlie Brown stickers. Roxy, Roxy and I don't have the answer. We, they're in a sealed envelope here. Yeah. We're like we're like the last night's SAG Awards. Right. So, you know, okay, which we wanted to get to, but we're running long here. Okay, I'm, I'm going to, just because it was my first name, I'm going to go Robert Berg. Was... Uh, uh, Jason Fuse. Jason Fuse. And then okay. Neil Diamond for Rob Colping. Okay, great. What, what do you say? I That was going to be my guess okay. All as right. well. All right, rip it open. Here we go. All right, here we go. Rip. Okay. So Neil Diamond was Rob Colpeen. Jason right. Fuse Had was that. Robert Berg. And Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem was Eric Londrigan. Of course. She Had writes. that. I believe I had that, as Tony says. So I think we're going to end it here. <laughs> we're never doing another one of these because I nailed it. Nailed it. Crushed it. All right. So now. This is the part of the episode we usually do first, Omar, and you're going to get a little... Speaking of Chuckisms, we call it the correction segment of the... Uh, but you're going to help us uh-uh. a little bit with this. And we heard from Bobby Goffrey, and he said, did Chuck just say Joe Burrows? Burrow? <laughs> Singular. <laughs> also, anim- how do you say that? Animaniacs. Animaniacs is great. Chuck... Are you familiar with Pinky and the Brain? That's where they started. They just made new ones on Hulu, too, with the original voice cast. Omar, do you know anything I just said, or was that like I was speaking another language? Yeah, dude, the Animaniacs. Are you kidding? No, I have no idea. I'm old. Come on. Well, yeah, I know. (laughs) So so you know Pinky and the Brain? Uh Uh-huh. I was like, I haven't used Skype in like 13 years, bro. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) So you know all about them. I mean, I don't know all about them, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of the Animaniacs. I've seen 
you know. Yeah, they were kind of our generation. Joe Burrow fan? Yeah. I said it right this time. (laughs) Well, I'm a Joe Burrow fan by proxy because Aaron, who plays uh, Jesus, is a diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan. Cool. Uh, So for his sake, I was definitely rooting for the Bengals. But um, hey, they played amazingly. And I think there was some pretty poor play calling there in the the fourth quarter that cost them the win, honestly. But yeah. yeah, we had a show that night. He took the day off, which he absolutely deserved. And when I'm a big Atlanta Falcons fan, I grew up in Atlanta. So when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, it was my dad's 75th birthday. And that was my gift to him for 75th birthday. We went to the Super Bowl. I've told that story on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? I have mm-hmm. told your story on our podcast because <laughs> it hit so home. Yeah. And But yeah, yeah. I mean, to hear it from you. I mean, yeah, I mean, you went to the Super Bowl with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. So I've told that story, but I didn't know exactly how. I mean, I just said it was such a great experience, even though the outcome, because I was so happy for you after the first half. I was like, holy shit, this is going to happen. And oh, dude, we were over the moon. I mean, it was like the greatest of elation, just out of body experience. And then (laughs) and then we witnessed, you know, yeah. And as much as I like want to hate him, he is the greatest of all time. And he's proved it so many times freaking times yeah. it's like it's, but let, let's it's, let's skip to something happy you're braves yeah yeah dude you go. let's go <laughs> finally i was like it, braves you got you got to pull through for me atlanta sports has you yeah know, they, they had 14 pennants in a row they didn't win a world series only one world series so this team was special man and, and i think that with the lead of freddie freeman just a lot of young guys that were playing as a team and playing confident and everyone was playing their role and yeah, man, it was really, really awesome to watch. Just great baseball because they were hitting well, but they were also playing great defense and they were doing all the right things and not getting demoralized. And I think a lot of times, especially in Atlanta sports, they start to feel that monkey on the shoulder start to creep up and worry that they're going to blow it. But they didn't have that happen. And I was super proud to be an Atlanta Brave, man. I was losing my mind, yeah. you know? I mean, we're just going to say you're lucky you didn't play the Red Sox. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> hey. uh, <laughs> Hey, 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 you got to get there first, bro. Yeah. (laughs) So now moving on to more idiot things Chuck says. And this one literally says, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. I can see his head like going down and him holding his. I gave you the pronunciation of Mikey Stadium and you still fluffed it. That was nice of him to say it that way. Uh, Yeah, I knew that. Ritz immediately like texted me as soon as he heard it. But he did. He literally wrote it out. But the problem was it's spelled M-I-C-H-I-E. I I saw the C. So even when I saw Mikey, I put the C and I said Mickey. Translated. Yeah, Yeah. it's 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 hard sometimes. Life is hard. And I didn't know that one. Did you have your readers on? No. (laughs) (laughs) When did Rod get here? All right. So and then now this one we're gonna need your little help with Omar. It says. I'm just going to read it. Sorry, Chuck, but it's Purdue Chicken and Purdue University. I don't know what else to say here. Hopefully, Roxy's teacher taught them the correct Purdue, Michelle Pendleton. Now, Roxy. Okay, yes, but I did. I actually honestly didn't realize that there were two different spellings of Purdue. So the way in which it's written, it sounds like maybe there's a different pronunciation as well, but there's not. It's Purdue Chicken and Purdue University. Well, that's University. what I was going to say. Do we put the accent somewhere else? Purdue. Yeah. like Purdue. Our, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. But my teacher did tell me, <laughs> tell my class, that if we wrote Purdue on our 
yeah, you get tests five and quizzes. Points. We get five or whatever many extra credit points. And she made sure to tell us how it was spelt. And it was the with the U, P-U-R. Oh, well, I get um, that it's spelled differently. But I just, it never occurred to me that the chicken was... Omar, how do you say Purdue? <laughs> Purdue. Right. And how do you say the other one? The university, Purdue. Well, yeah. I, it's funny that you said it that way, though. How do you know we weren't talking about the chicken? You know, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. It's just, ma- I don't it's get madness. it. It's madness. It's, but that's yeah, what. I don't think you say Purdue because even though like it's an E, it's, it's like a schwa. So it's Purdue. Yeah. Right. Per-du. And it's not like Purdue. And it's like, not poor, poor do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. It's Purdue. Anyway, yeah. Michelle, if you're like screaming at your listening device right now, Please send us an send audio us message. Audio we love message. that we have that capability <laughs> nowadays because we've had that That'll happen before. Because even after they correct me in emails, Omar, I still pronounce it wrong sometimes. So they literally have to send me an audio message and say, you idiot, this is how it's pronounced. Hey, at least at least you didn't grow up with a Puerto Rican mom who literally said half of the American language incorrectly. And so you didn't learn that you were saying things wrong until you went to school and said them wrong. Oh, no. So, for instance, my mom always used to say an all-you-can-eat buffet. And so I went to school one day and I was like, oh, yes, they've got like an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I was ridiculed for like a year because of that. <laughs> so, you know. Listen, the English <laughs> language is not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> There's still words to this day that my mom still butchers. Nice. Well, that's good to know. At least we're not the only ones. And then we're going to end with this because it's a very high-themed question on our podcast. Very important question, though, because we are celebrating today National Peanut Butter Lover's Day. Okay? Yes. So what we need to know from you are crunchy or smooth? Oh, smooth. Yeah. Damn it. But at least on this day, no matter which way you like it. No matter which way. We're all going to get along. We're all going to come day. together on this mm-hmm. day for National Peanut Butter Lover's Day. Yep. That's how they I'm happy about it because I just had a peanut butter toast with banana and honey. Let's go. Okay. Now, here's the thing. In honor of today, I found an article from Southern Living, and it, the headline is, Why Southerners Love the Peanut Butter and Mayonnaise Combination. Ooh. Oh, all right. That's what I wanted to get the reaction. <laughs> oh, no. No. It says, I've heard of like... <laughs> Peanut butter and fluff, like oh, marshmallow, yeah. but what? You've heard of it. Mayonnaise? That's like a dream. Yeah, no, it says some people like it with the crust cut off. Others like it cut diagonally or straight across. But no matter how you slice it, everyone loves a good peanut butter sandwich, which is true. Some people, however, like it with a little something, something added to it. Thick, creamy, I mean, tangy mayonnaise. Uh, gross. Yes, that's right. There are people in the world who really do love peanut butter sandwich smothered with Hellman's or Duke's. And those people are likely from the South. <laughs> and I'm doing this because, you know, Omar's you know, Atlanta guy. Yeah, right. right. Um, yeah. The, the, according to Garden and Gun, that's a thing? Garden and Gun? <laughs> that's a thing? I'm not surprised. I mean, I've heard of guns and ammo, but... Welcome to the South, honey. According to Garden and Gun, the recipe likely started sometime in the 1930s out of pure economic necessity mm. when both money for groceries and groceries themselves were scarce. That it's makes sense. It's what people had on hand. Whether it was the depression or just a day when you were a little shy on groceries. All right, so I okay. So but see, I don't, I don't get that because I I would think you're you're actually combining something so which costs more. Right, you could that's just what, have a peanut butter sandwich. Right, that's what I I didn't get that either. But I just wanted to read the title mm-hmm. of the magazine because I thought. That but was then funny. again, mayonnaise is pretty easy to make. It's eggs and oil. Oh so. right, that's a good point. And maybe they the jelly was I don't know. Anyway. Maybe they just need a little more sustenance, a little bit more. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Well. Anyway, just had to get that. Everyone, happy National (laughs) Peanut Butter Lover's Day for those who celebrate. That's all I'm going to say. That's how we do that here on the Loyal Littles Podcast. Omar, 
can't thank you enough for coming on to be our third wheel today. This has been so much fun. It's just been great. Thank you for all the in-depth knowledge. Take a second, plug everything. We know you're at the Kennedy Center for the next two weeks. I'm guessing the Kennedy Center has a website or Ticketmaster, wherever you yeah. get tickets. Kennedy Center uh, website. You can also go to uh, Jesus Christ Superstar Tour website and follow the links there. And if you're not in D.C., we are continuing on to the south. We're playing Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, uh, Fort Myers, Kansas City, Dallas, Fort Worth, forgetting a couple there. But it's uh, it's, it's a really exciting show. And uh, if you're in one of these cities, we hope to, to find you there. And, you know, something to note, I don't do all eight shows because Slacker. of the nature. No, uh, <laughs> it's a bitch. It's a bitch of a role. Maybe. The nature of the, of the show. Yeah. Um, I usually have one or two rest days off. So if you come to the evening shows, I will almost always be on for an evening performance. The matinees, I usually have one or two off a week. Gotcha. So that's just just to be noted. But regardless, our standbys and understudies are incredible. So it's no need to come to see me. It's the, it's the show that you should come see. Oh, please. They're coming to see you. A Tony Kornheiser fan, by the way. As I yes, I asked him that he's like, "Are you freaking kidding me, man?" I was yeah. like, yeah. "How dare you insult me?" <laughs> <laughs> so big Tony Kornheiser fan. That's your dream. You told me off air. That's your dream. Tony's got to come see the show at the Kennedy oh, Center. We man. know he's not I, going I mean, to. I know but. he's in his bunker, but if we could get a VIP presidential box and create a bubble, maybe he would come and see the show. It'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Now, real quick, uh, how do we find you? You're on Twitter, right, and all that stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Omar Lopez Sapero. I also have a website, same, Omar, O-M-A-R-L-O-P-E-Z-C-E-P-E-R-O.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Although the Twitter life, feel like i majorly slacking. I tend to focus on the Instagram. But I'm showing my age a little bit. I start posting photos of food <laughs> or my yeah. dog. Yeah, but sometimes you post a little mini video of soundcheck and that was really that's cool really so cool. yeah you're gonna want to give omar a follow over that's there true. so that's true. i do throw in some little golden nuggets from time to time yeah we try to do the same but we're terrible too yeah i don't <laughs> do food though but anyway, oh, I do food. <laughs> omar this has been fantastic go see him at the kennedy center you got two weeks littles down there in the dc area yeah uh, it's a good time it's gonna be a good time come by the stage door i'd love to say hi oh just say La Cheeserie. Yeah, just say La Cheeserie. <laughs> and uh, I'm not saying you'll get in through the stage door, but uh, yeah, go say hi to Omar. No, so. yeah. no backstage tours. Because yeah, they don't do that right, anymore. Right. But in the Hall of Nations, if you do come to the Kennedy Center, the Hall of Nations is where the stage door is. It's really an iconic space, but um, we come out that door and I'd love to say hi. All right, cool. Perfect. All right. Unfortunately, that's all the time we got. Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at WTFCPodNet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to head on over to Apple and iTunes and give us a nice rate and review over there. We really appreciate it. Thank you again, Charlie Pierce, for coming on to Meet the Littles today. And thank you, Bob Sproul, Sandra Rohde, and Grant Garraway for our bumpers this episode. All right. Thanks again for listening to the loyal littles podcast and as always if you're out shopping online tonight roxy don't forget to use the code wait you guys have a code <laughs> no purdue we just keep sitting on the fence Ideas so hard to decide. Sometimes we think a little too much. What we say, words just collide.
not lose our way. Let's not lose our love and touch. Love you so. Love you much. Don't need the fence to be our crutch. Let's get out of our rut. On the fence, no more suspense. We can't make a decision. The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. I can roll my belly like a belly dancer. Oh, yeah.